0: Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, I want to focus our attention on this passage and then we're just going to talk about a few things um, that are taken just directly from this passage when it comes to living the blessed life. Verse 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Especially to those who belong to the family of believers, I love verse eleven. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. How cool is that? You know, when we read the Bible, we're reading it. Um, you know, from you know, being it's been reprinted, it's in a book, or it's on a screen, or it's on a piece of paper. But could you imagine what it'd been like that day to you know, like you have you have this scroll you know that's delivered to you, you un- unroll it, and it's like it's from the Apostle Paul, like his his handwriting is on there. Have you, you thought about this? And, and verse eleven, he he draws attention to it, and so he's he's penning, he you know he's using his nice penmanship. How many have nice penmanship? How many you have very nice penmanship? Yes, how many are like me and you should have been a doctor? You have the kind of penmanship, only you and God know how to read. I could turn anything into a journal because no one would be able to read whatever I was writing down on the page. But Paul's saying as he's writing this letter, when he gets to this one section, he just kind of be- becomes overwhelmed with what he's trying to talk to the church at Galatia about. And he says, I, mean, he just, I, I just see it in my mind's eye. I just see like it's really nice. And then whenever he gets to this, part at the end he just it just keeps getting bigger it just keeps it it just keeps getting bigger to the point where he's like have you if you have noticed this is something that you have to get see what large letters I'm writing with my own hand he's excited about it some scholars also say this is at the end of his life and his his eyesight was bad and he was you know he in other words either way this meant Great deal to Paul. And I think it will to us as well. So why don't we pray and ask God's word to really speak to us this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have a way that may not seem um, like it makes sense naturally. But God, your word's always right. So Lord, I just pray you would speak to hearts. Do what I can never do in a million years. Would you speak to our hearts and let us most of all see Jesus. And let him see only him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to start start by talking about this. First of all, giving is not um giving is not something that comes easy for most people. We're born getters, aren't we? You know, we were a baby and cried a little bit. Wah, wah, you know, and oh, it's so precious, you know, and you scoop them up and you know you get them a bottle and you buy them new clothes, and you change their diaper, and you change more diapers, and you change more diapers, and you keep changing diapers, and and, and and you buy new shoes, and you buy new clothes. As a kid, isn't it awesome to have everything? You know, everybody's just buying stuff for you. You're not even asking for stuff, and you, you know, people are bringing things to you. I mean, students, if you're living at home, be thankful, because the world changes, doesn't it? It, it it's, it's awesome to be a kid. My kids are the best getters on planet Earth. They're great at it. I didn't even have to teach them. It just came naturally. They were amazing at it. I can take them just right up the road to five below. And I am the greatest dad that ever walked in shoe leather whenever I let them go get a Lego blind bag where they can get a Lego figure. And I am the best dad in the world for about 10 minutes. And then they want something else. And we could go back every day, and every day they would want to get. Every day they would want to get. You know, never would we, you know, my son has, has he, he's become uh, intelligent when it comes to getting at times. He, the other day we were driving by Starbucks, and he said, Dad, I would really like to get you a coffee I said, well, you would. What would. You would? And he said, yeah. He said, and could I get a cake pop while we're there too? <laughs> He's smart. We know how to get. We know the benefits of getting. But what I want to talk today is the benefits of giving. And the older we get, there's a revelation that we can begin to possess that really changes our whole perspective When we understand what the Bible says is really true, that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. So I just want to give giving some love today. You know, getting gets love all the time. I want to give giving some love. I want to show some upsides of giving. Before I talk about that, I I was trying to figure out what are the downsides of giving. You ever thought about that before? What are the downsides of being a giver? It's trying to rack my brain all week long. Like, what, what's the bad thing about being a giver? And the only thing that I could come up with, I don't know what, you, what your thoughts are, but the only thing that I could come up with is the only, thing, the only reason why the downside of giving to me is that when I give, it looks like I have less. Amen? When I give, it looks like I have less. Than before I gave, so that is something that would be a downside to giving. In other words, if I have you like my art installation that I have here, I call it Bowl of Apple. <laughs> so, so say so I have twenty apples. So say I want to start by giving the tithe. I want to give. Uh, there we go. Come on now. Come on. Come on, Green Bay. You got to catch that. <laughs> And say I wanna, say I want to, uh, you know give say maybe there's a, a kid that's in need, or, or, or maybe there's a, someone that I just really, just really want to bless Miss Angela. there you go. you got it. Oh, come on now, give it up for Miss Angela. Anybody in the back, we have any guys, oh, OK, I'm going to hurt somebody if I throw that far back. There we go. Here you go, you got it right there. Oh, good job. So our, you know, the church is having this heart for the kingdom thing. You know, there you go. <laughs> That's heart for the kingdom thing. You know, so I want to give a little bit away to somebody heart for the kingdom, Miss Mary Jo. There you go. <laughs> so I was a giver, and here's the thought: I have less apples. I gave apples, and every time that I give an apple, Miss Dina. I have less apples. Very deep things here at church today. You chose a great day to come to church. But the reality is there is a law in the Bible. We read about it in the book of Galatians. That tells us something about the nature of giving and getting that we many times don't take into account when we think about what it means to give and here's the law it's the law of sowing and reaping the law of sowing and reaping here's the first point i want to make is that you reap what you sow you reap what you sow here's the truth that giving is like sowing a seed When something leaves your hand, it does not leave your life. Giving is like sowing a seed. When it leaves your hand, it doesn't leave your life. What I want to say today is when I give, what I give is not gone. What I give is not gone. As a matter of fact, the only way to not have is to not give. Because simply what I have will be gone. This bowl of apples will not last very long. But what I give, when I give, it may leave my hand, it may leave my bank account, but it's not gone according to the word of God. Look at what Galatians 6, 7 says. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows or a woman sows, that will he or she also reap. That there's a principle in our lives that I want us to get just, I wanna get all wrapped up in today, understanding that there's a law of the harvest, a law of sowing and reaping, and I reap what I sow. If my only way that I can think, the only negative I can think of is I have less when I give. Doesn't that make sense why God's word consistently, page after page, verse after verse, tells us the complete other utter opposite of that? God's word consistently tells us the opposite to counteract our human thinking about what it means to be generous. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. It's there in your notes. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, press down. Shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. See, when we give, it may appear like it's gone. But what I want to say to you is when you give, you are sowing a seed. Now, I grew up out in the country in Kentucky. And had the privilege of growing up next to my grandparents. right Actually, right across the road. And they always had a garden in the backyard. And as a kid, I always love going and uh, planting the garden with them. I went and got some seeds last night. Guys, this seed package was two dollars and seventy nine cents. Seeds aren't like they used to be. Come on, somebody I was <laughs> I had this like a like a old moment. Last night when I was buying this and I bought two packs of these, it's "It's going to be $5. I said, what are you... When I was a kid, it was like a nickel for a pack of seeds, you know? And the guy's looking at me like, I'm older than you are, man. What are you even talking about? Uh, You know, so I had a moment, you know, so $2.79. But I just remember these being all over the place whenever I was a kid. I remember my grandparents' house, there were always just packets of seeds all around. And it was so much fun whenever we would go because they'd till the ground. And then we would go little by little. They would start dropping these seeds in the ground, drop the seed in the ground, and they'd cover it up with dirt. And I just thought it was so cool as a kid, and the hard thing that I kept trying to dig them up. You know, I kept trying to dig them up. We'd, you know, put a seed in the ground, and then we would dig it up. But you know what? Never one time do I ever remember my grandparents putting the seeds in the ground and just said, "Oh, I'm so sad because I put the seed in the ground and just killing this poor seed. And we're not going to have any more seeds left. It's so bad, and I'm just putting dirt over top of it. You know, it's gone." Never one time. It was exciting. It was so exciting. Because they knew that they were, that was the first step before a harvest. As a matter of fact, they knew they could never have the harvest without the seed. They could never have the harvest until first there was a seed that went in the ground. And in God's word, it's the exact same When we give, it's a seed that we put in the ground. It may look like it's gone. If you looked out the window the next day, which all of us kids did, to see what had happened, and I'd say, "Mama, what's wrong? There's no plants out there yet. She would say, well, son, it's still there, and it's growing. And it would take so much time before anything even looked like it was making a difference, but what you give is not gone. And even on this packet, it says, 54 days to harvest. In other words, it's going to take some time, but when you sow a seed, it's making a difference in someone's life. You reap what you sow. The, what Jesus is talking about here in this passage in Luke 6, he, he's not even his, his, his topic is really forgiveness, not even finances. He's saying if you don't forgive anybody, nobody's going to forgive you. If you have a bad attitude and judge everybody, then everybody's going to judge you. But then he says, if you give, then you're going to receive. In other words, there's just a law. Whatever in your life that you plant, it will come back to you. So you reap what you sow. Here's the second idea that I want to bring from this passage that I I see in this passage. Is Number two, you reap where you sow. First of all, you reap what you sow. But secondly, you reap where you sow. Galatians six eight. That ne- the next verse says, "Whoever sows where to please the flesh, will from the flesh, from the flesh, will reap destruction. But whoever sows where to please the spirit, from the spirit, will reap eternal life." When we were kids, when the garden was being planted. We planted it in the backyard, but never one time did we ever open up the front door of the house or the the front window of the house and look down at the driveway and say, Man, I can't wait to see those cucumbers coming up in the uh, up in the front yard. Never one time. We would always open up the back door and we would look out at the garden where the soil was and we would, you know, we would, when's it gonna come up next? Because you reap where you sow. We never expected to reap in the driveway because we planted in the backyard. And what God is trying to tell us and ask us the question really is, Where are you sowing your life? Where are you taking the seeds of your life and putting them into? And he says, you have a choice. You can either sow them in the things of the world. You can sow them in in, in all natural things. And you're going to get a natural harvest. He said, but it's not going to be the harvest that you're going to want. Or you can make the decision to plant it in an eternal field. And you can sow the resources, the seeds, every aspect of your life. And you can either get a natural harvest Or you can get a supernatural harvest. And this is what Jesus was trying to teach us time and time and time and time and time again. It's a seed. What you give is not gone. That there's something beyond just sowing your life in the things of this life. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15. Let's look at this together. I wish I could talk more about this passage. Because I think it's a parable that really relates to, I think, every single one of us. And and, and the, the feelings that we all have, especially in regards to, to things that we own and have and want. Then he said to them, This is Jesus, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Verse 16: Then he told them this parable: the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So that's awesome. This guy, he's already rich. And then he's getting more rich. He's Verse 17. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, <laughs> he gets a big idea. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. This guy's, I mean, he's, he's having a banner year. This guy's the goal. I mean... He's already rich. He's so successful that he doesn't even have a place for all his success, you know. It's like, hey, I got this extra Ferrari. Got one problem, though. I don't really have a garage for the Ferrari because the garage is already full, you know, with my other cars. And, oh, it's so sad. What shall I ever do? I got an idea. I'll tear the whole garage down, and I'll build a three car or a four car And I'll store it in there. This is a guy we all feel sorry for, right? Or that we all would dream to be. Because watch what his next motivation is. This is amazing. Written thousands of years ago, but how much does it connect with us today? He says, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. So take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Man, this guy... It's all about the things of this world. Like He thinks to himself, if I have a bigger barn with more stored there, planted in the earth, invested in this world, then man, I'm going to be able to eat, drink, chill, be married. Life's problems will be gone. That's the goal. But watch what God says to him in verse 20. God says, you fool. Wait, God, this guy's not a fool. He's the goal. Like He's what we all want to be. You know, He's large and in charge. He's got it all together. But God calls him a fool. Why? Because this night your life will be demanded from you. In other words, you're going to die. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Wow. Are you for real, Jesus? I don't think Jesus' issue was with the man having things. But his issue is with the things having the man. It was his perception of investing everything he had on this earth. If I could say it like this. Life is like Monopoly. Monopoly. You could have a hotel on Park Place and Boardwalk, but at the end of the game, everything goes back in the box for someone else to pick up and play. So everything that we have of this earth, someone else will possess if the Lord tarries. But everything that we invest eternally will have an impact that will never end. So the question is, where are we investing our lives? That's why Jesus says in Matthew 6, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. In verse 21, so powerful, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. What is God after? What is God interested in about all of this sowing and reaping and, and you know, natural and eternal? What's the deal with all of that? Why did God even invent giving? Have you ever thought about that? Why does God need giving? You know, I mean, he's... The wealthiest, I mean, he has a th- cattle on a thousand hills. All he has to do is you know, sacrifice some cattle or make a new cattle or make a new hill or, or make a new cattle with a hill. I mean, he could do anything cattle in a hill on a cattle in a hill. Mean, he could do anything that he wanted to do. Why did he invent giving? Was it for us or was it for him? I think it was for us. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's what I know. So take some of your money. Take some, maybe you have a little bit of savings. Take all of your savings or a vast majority of your savings and then just pick a stock and put, it, put your money in that company. I promise tomorrow morning you'll wake up saying, man, I wonder how that company's doing today. And you'll pull up your smartphone and you'll be like, isn't there some kind of stocks app that you have? I don't even have that app. And you'll download the app. You'll figure out where the stock is and you'll... Okay, it's doing good today. You know why? Because when you put your treasure somewhere, that's where your heart, that's where your mind, that's where your affection and attention is going to be directed towards. So doesn't it make sense where God says, that's how your heart works. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to invest your life, your resources, your time into eternal things so that your life and your focus will not be about this world, but it'll be about eternity. So where are you sowing? You reap what you sow, you reap where you sow. But number three, you reap later than you sow. So you reap what you sow, you reap where you sow it. you sowing just naturally or caring about making a difference in eternity. Number three, you reap later than you sow. Galatians 6, 9 again it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will do what? Reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we reap what we sow, we reap where we sow it, and then we reap later than we sow. On my pack of summer squash seeds here, it says I have 54 days to harvest. On my pack of carrots here, Scarlet Nantes. I didn't know that's what carrots were called. Apparently they are. That's maybe why they're so expensive. (laughs) These carrots take 70 days to harvest. Wouldn't it be awesome if every seed with God came like in a box where you could say, 34 days. That's when the harvest from God's coming. Wouldn't that be awesome? You know, it's a lot like whenever I was a kid. We'd look out every day and realize we realize this may be the day that it's harvested. You don't know when it will be harvested, but you do know where and you do know what. You do know where and you do know what. Because it's the seed that we sow into the kingdom of God is not for today. It's really for tomorrow. The seed takes time to, to, to grow and the same thing in our lives, there are things that take time to grow, and there are seeds that we sow that are literally not for us because we realize it's going to take time. A couple, weeks, a couple weeks ago, it's during spring break, we went down to Legoland. And uh, when we were there, guys, it'll change your life. You've go, you got to go to Legoland. It'll just revolutionize your life and your pocketbook for sure. But it was so funny. We, we, had a, we really did have a good time because my, my boys were, were loving it. They were having a great time. Uh, but, but here's what I, I had this reality. We were standing in a line. How many ever been to a theme park and stood in a line before? You know exactly what I'm... Talking about you stand in a line to pay to stand in another line to eat you, everything that you do at a theme park. It's, you're just standing in a line. You know, you're, you're you're just standing in a line to stand in a line to stand in a line. And I had this this thought that we were standing in line, and and while we were standing in line, my kids were over there kind of playing. And we're you know we're my wife and I are standing there in line and we're waiting for them to come, uh, waiting to get to the front of the line so the kids can come. And I just had this reality: I would never be here if it weren't for those two little munchkins over there. I would find a whole different way to celebrate a spring break than standing in a line surrounded by, you know, munchkins and Legos and all this. I would find a whole different way to celebrate my spring break, you know, than than doing that with them. But what I realize is that the older I get, that my life is not about me. That I'm standing in line for two little kids for, so that they can have an experience. I'm standing in line for them so that they can, they can, so that they can have an experience later. And guys, when we give, when we sow a seed, it's not even about us. We are standing in line for the next generation. If we can have the mentality that it's all about me so easily. At, at Disney, we used to live near Disney. and At Disney, they instituted a single rider line at most of the rides and essentially if you're with your family you're kind of in the slow big normal line but if you want to ditch your family you can ride it multiple times without them so parents go ahead just just tell them you'll be back in an hour and ride it a few times but this single rider line and it's fun at Disney but you know we can oftentimes have that same mentality about church, can't we? That, that, that it's, it's I'm standing in line just for me. That if I can't get in here and get it quick and get through fast. and it, You know what? I don't care about anybody else. But you know what? This is all about me. And I'm going to go from one church to another church until I get offended at that church. And here's, here's the grand revelation you're going to find. There's not a perfect church. There's not one. This church is not a perfect church. Everyone you go to is going to be filled with imperfect people. If you find a perfect church, leave. Because you'll ruin it. I mean, seriously. (laughs) What you'll find is imperfect people standing in line for other people. You know, the church I grew up in wasn't perfect. But I thank God someone stood in line for me there. I'm thankful that someone gave me an opportunity to hear about Jesus and let them say whatever they want to say about this church but let them not say that we didn't care and that we didn't weren't willing to stand in line so that someone else could have an experience with God you know that's what happens when there were people here before the sun came up literally people here as the sun was coming up standing in line for you. And there are people, God, help us to stand in line for people all around us because it's not about us. We reap later than we sow. John chapter 6, verse 9 says, Here's a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? This is that passage where Jesus feeds the 5,000 men plus women and children, but he does it with a boy's lunch. And it's, my wife was packing uh, our four-year-old's lunch for preschool. She said this week, Do you want the PB&J or do you want the Lunchable? And he said, I want the Lunchable. And when he said that, I'd been been thinking on this. And I thought, who packed that boy's lunch? Who packed that boy's lunch? He didn't get it by himself. But somebody else put something inside of him. The raw materials for a miracle from God. That's what we want to do. That's why we have heart for the kingdom. That's why we do what we do week after week because we want to stand in line and realize it's not about us, but we're trying to load the lunch of another generation to make a difference. You know, what God's doing among our uh, young people is absolutely unbelievable. Just, I I was joking earlier about the main main event. And uh, yeah, but we were, but honestly, a year ago, that would have been absolutely impossible. Absolutely impossible. There were eight there were not there were only just a few. I think Riley was our first. She, she went to the school where we had we were having church. She was the youth group right there. And Christina was the youth group right there. And and it was there they're, they're, they're the three. They're a youth group right there. I think they had the fantastic four, the dynamic three. I don't know what it was. Fab five. Five, five. Okay, it's growing the fab five. And, uh, and and but, but at the same time we knew God wanted to do something great in young people we want to be a place that's dynamic and invest in the next generation, we need some place where kids don't just focus on drugs and alcohol and all the things of social media and comparing themselves and not feeling like they're valued we want a place where students can come in be filled with the power of God, realize they're valuable, they have a purpose, that God wants to change their life, we need to attack the gates of the enemy that tries to destroy the next generation and we knew we wanted to be that kind of place and that kind of church, but it looked like it was not happening. It was impossible. And then uh, Johnny, why don't you come, buddy? Why don't we give Johnny a hand? Johnny and Kristen. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing couple or gift to the church, God brought, God brought Johnny and Kristen here, and they had a heart for young people and began to serve and have a passion for them and, and God began to to do a work in students and I promise tonight it will be a cra- it will be so exciting in here. It was so packed out last month when we had the main event we 're doing this the last Sunday night of every month it is awesome it 's a great opportunity if you know students middle school high school college students and come but it's so full but but I remember last month walking away being like god how in the world did that even happen it was awesome what God's doing in, in our students but because it just wasn't there not too long ago and Johnny and Kristen got the vision to have a retreat where they would go away and, and they would pray that God was going to do a work in and, and these students before they launched this service but but we, we, we had the heart to do the retreat but at the same time uh, there were students that weren't able to afford to go on the retreat so right when we announced it we didn't ask for anything but right whenever we announced uh, Johnny had some people come up to him why don't you tell me tell them what you were telling me yes.
1: just blew my mind, because it, it allowed students who couldn't afford to hear, to go, go, go on this awesome weekend, we came back totally sore, uh, so we, we did it right, um, it just allowed us, it allowed us a, to bring them so that they could hear the word of God, and it was, it was absolutely incredible, and they had an amazing time, and so there was, I just want to shout some people out, I want to shout out James Parker for being one of the people that, uh, that donated so awesome, uh, they were in the first service, but Ryan and Stephanie Genua were in the were in the first service, and they gave, and it was awesome. And then this Kim, I don't know if Kim's in here, who gave, I'm sad, I don't know. <laughs> uh, But she gave as well, so um, we're just so, so thankful for them to, to willing, be willing to come up to me and say, hey, we would love to pay for some kids. And they did, and they followed through, and it, and it it it's making a difference. And so we're just so thankful.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great job, man. Here's the deal, and, and the people that people that gave that they do not want. You know, it's it, they're probably nervous that I that I that we that we uh, recognize them and, and all of that because that's not why they did that. We didn't even ask for forgiving, and we didn't we that wasn't even part of the plan. We were going to take uh, tithes and offerings and, and make that make that possible. But some people stu- stepped up and that because they had a heart for it, they, they had a heart for it and they can't do what Johnny can do but Johnny can't do what they did and when when they got together hearts of generosity got together, they began to sow a seed and it wasn't that significant of a seed or it didn't look like it was that big of a deal, no one's ever looked at this and been like that's amazing, that's so valuable, I'm sitting here complaining the whole time of what I've spent for these seeds, you know uh, I'm sure there's some, some uh, accounting brothers in the room, you, you know how much money I'm wasting every time I drop a seed right there but they're but they're but they're seemingly not very valuable. I mean, what's 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 it worth? You know, spending fifty bucks to to, to so that a kid can go to a retreat. You know, I mean, that's not that big of a deal. But guys, I wanted you to see every time that you give and make a difference, and specifically in the next generation, you are sowing a seed, and you don't know what's going to happen because just from that one <laughs> retreat, we we it's like it started a movement really of teenagers that are excited to bring their friends and to to make a difference, and it all starts with. Someone that's willing to just sow a seed and be a generous kind of person. It's not something spectacular, it's just realizing, living your life in every way. Man, what can I do to sow a seed to make a difference? And I I got thinking about the seed sowing, and I, you know, we, that was awesome. What happened is what's happening here with students, but I got thinking about whenever I was a kid going to, youth retreats and youth camps and how people would come up and sponsor us and I remember one time I had the heart to do a Bible study in my high school I was starting to feel a call from God to, I don't know what that meant but somebody had challenged me to start a Bible study in my high school and my vision was this feed people and they'll come to the Bible study that was it so I, I took money that I had and I bought Papa John's pizza and uh, um. I didn't have, that was it. I had one week of pizza. And I was telling uh, this to people at at church, just one-on-one with people. I had a lady in the church come up and said, she said, I'll pay for it. I said, what? She said, you'll pay for the pizza. And uh, over the course of that year, that one lady spent $1,400 buying pizza for my Bible study that at one time had over 120 kids in it. And it wasn't just that. It was in that Bible study that I felt... I had a moment in that Bible study where I said, this is what I want to do the rest of my life. People ask me, when did you feel called of God? I felt called of God in a high school Bible study, surrounded by my friends, telling them about, I had a, it was called, who is Jesus and why should I care? And in that Bible study, that's where I felt called to do what I'm doing today. But you know what? An unnamed person that, that was willing, is that worth $1,400 of pizza? I've preached to tens of thousands of people in my lifetime. Is that worth? It's a seed. And I come to Knoxville and meet Johnny and Johnny and guys. That lady probably never. Probably who knows if they'll ever know. It's it's okay though. But guys, we're sowing seeds in people. We don't know what will come up. We don't know what, how it will grow. We don't know when it will grow. We don't know what it will do. But, but, but everything, because here's the deal. On these packets, the, the packet says that, that, that there's 70 days to harvest, but it also says 12 feet. And I guess that means if you put them out, it makes 12 feet of carrots. I don't know what that looks like with 12 feet of carrots. Because here's the reality. Here's, here's, the fourth, here's the fourth truth I want to say that, okay, so you reap what you sow, you reap where you, where you sow, you reap later than you sow, and here's the fourth idea, you reap how you sow. Because when you sow, in that seed, there's potential. And, and the potential is this, that this, this one carrot seed is going to grow... And then it's going to produce more carrot seeds and that's going to grow. And it's going to produce more carrot seeds and more seeds and more seeds and more seeds. And the more that you sow, the more that there's going to be a harvest in your life. That's why Second Corinthians, that's why Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as you have opportunity, that's what this is, that's what heart for the kingdom is, it's opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. But he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must do just as he's purposed in his heart. Not grudging or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God's God's able to make all grace abound to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. You reap how you sow. So if you want an abundant harvest, you you give freely. You serve with abundance. And that's how you can be cheerful. Because you know there's a law. It's like the law of gravity. You can't change it. But when you see... When you when you sow those seeds, they're not gone, but they're they're coming back to you. Come on, my apple people, they're coming back to me. Where where are my apple folks at? There we go. Come on, they're coming. Oh, <laughs> they're coming back to me. Where are we at? Come on, they're coming back to me. They're coming back. They're like a juggler. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> they're coming back. Anybody else got a man, y'all, y'all don't y'all like me, do ya? Y'all don't like me at all. Come on, Dan. <laughs> Here's what I wish that I could have done. That was was great. I wish I just had an apple for everybody in here. Everybody just keep throwing me apples because here's the deal. Somebody does have an apple. Yeah, come on, Marcus. Okay, you got it. There you go. Good job, man. Because here's the deal. It's coming back. It's coming back. I want to tell somebody in faith it's coming back. It's coming back. Every seed you sow, every hour you spend, every one you love, everything you do—don't let the enemy lie to you and say when you give, it's gone because it's coming back to you. Pressed down, shaken together. If I were to take all of these apples and plant them in the ground, if I, here's the deal—if I would leave it in this basket, next week nobody's going to want to eat them. They would be dead in a week. I mean, they—they they would be nasty. May have worms in them, they'd be gross. But if I took all of these apples, went in a field and planted all of these in the ground, we may not see it in our lifetime, but there would be some time if we would allow, allow God to do the work of sowing and reaping, there would be a time where there would be thousands and hundreds of thousands of apples. A whole orchard could come out of these simple apples here if I were to sow it into the ground and let God do His work. Guys, we get to give. We get to be a part of this. We get to sow our lives into something that's greater than our lives. Because our life, my life can be required of me today. And the only thing that's going to matter is what I did of eternal value. So my last question I have today is what kind of harvest do I want? What kind of harvest do I want in my life? Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Let's pray.